with a nation facing an endemic of rising body weight, and with the current interest of the knowledge on the influence of the foods we eat on our own weight, the role of nutrition on weight management is a topic of today's Foodology Radio episode here at 22 West Radio. 22 West Radio is 22westradio.com and 88.1 FM KKJZ HD3 Long Beach, Los Angeles. We live in a difficult time for those of us who just want to eat. We may sit at our own dinner table thinking what to eat from our own kitchen or what foods to avoid. We may think about that new supplement or that new superfood. I'm Aaron. And I'm Michelle. Together, we are the hosts of Foodology Radio. Tune in to hear the science of nutrition, receive dietary tips, have your own personal nutrition questions answered, and so much more. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Foodology Radio, and I'm the host, Aaron. And I'm Michelle. And today's topic of today's Foodology Radio episode is nutrition's role on weight management. So we obviously, as I said earlier in this intro, we're the nation is currently facing an endemic of people slowly gaining excessive weight. And today's episode could be us talking about it and how to manage weight in today's modern society with our modern food choices. So before we handle that topic, we obviously will get into today's nutrition and news topic, which will start with me this time, and I chose an interesting article for us to discuss about. So today's article is talking about can carrots protect against the sun? So carrots having a very rich source of beta carotene, the plant version of vitamin A, and vitamin A has a known role for skin maintenance. So the researchers of this study found it as an interesting topic to find the vitamin A intake of vitamin A intake in a person's diet and seeing how that may correlate to a person's individual risk of getting skin cancer. So the study had approximately 123,000 participants coming from two observational studies with the nurse's health study and the, and the health professional's follow-up study. So the study had approximately 123,000 participants who were at risk of skin cancer but didn't have any family history of skin cancer. And they had them fill out a questionnaire which took into account their vitamin A intake that they've been intaking over the past few um, span of time. And they also had a follow-up with 26 years of observations from these participants. So they had them fill out a questionnaire, and over the next 26 years, they, had, they kept uh, checking up on them to see which one of them developed skin cancer or not. And in the entire duration of the study, they had 3,978 cases of skin cancer development in the population being studied. And from what they found with the questionnaire they filled out and the amount of skin cancer cases that they had was that those intaking a high carrot intake, approximately two large carrots, had a 70% reduced risk of skin cancer. And compared to those having a low intake of vitamin A, or approximate what they consider low is the amount of vitamin A in about uh, one small carrot. And the vitamin A that they've been observing in the study mostly came from food rather than supplements. So keep that in mind when interpreting the results of this study is that this beneficial effect has been seen with just food and not so much with supplements, at least in this one study. 
And the study found that the fruits and vegetables, <laughs> vitamin A sources, were more beneficial for uh, skin cancer prevention than the animal vitamin A which is retinol. So beta carotene and specifically over retinol appears to have the skin cancer beneficial reduction risk that uh, we see in foods. So I personally find these study findings honestly pretty interesting, but of course with any, other, with any study there are of course limitations. Uh, this study having a, li a huge limitation of being a questionnaire, which when people try to look back on what they previously ate, questionnaires don't tend to be too, too accurate. And so that could be a potential issue with this study. And of course, only having one assessment, they've asked these people once what their beta carotene intake was or what their total dietary habit intake was. And they just followed that assessment over the entire 26 years. So those are huge limitations for the study, but regardless of those limitations, I do personally find these studies findings still interesting, how vitamin A could potentially be uh, beneficial for reducing skin cancer, but of course, uh, future studies could um, be conducted in the future to help uh, like put light on this uh, topic and give us a better idea of what is actually happening. So this also reminds me, I chose this because this also reminds me of an interesting article I read a while back, which found that people intaking higher intakes of beta carotene, so like vitamin A from uh, fruits and vegetables, actually appeared to apparently have a glowy skin or more a skin that can glow more than those having a low beta carotene intake, which apparently can attract, can be more attractive to other people. So eating healthy and having high vitamin A content, uh, specifically from fruits and vegetables, which is what these effects are mostly coming from, can uh, actually make you uh, look pretty darn good, apparently, to other people. So eating healthy for good looks. So that's a, that's, that's a pretty interesting topic. And eating healthy, of course, for reducing skin cancer risk. And of course, besides dietary habits with reducing skin cancer risk, the study also suggests that having a healthy diet with plenty of beta carotene, like carrots, sweet potatoes, or papaya, uh, foods, and their plant foods specifically being very rich in vitamin A. The study also advises, of course, the typical sunscreen uh, applications on your skin to help reduce uh, further the risk of developing skin cancer uh, in our population as well. Well, of course, who doesn't want healthy skin? So make sure you're eating your plants to maintain that youthful, glowy skin. Yeah, and uh, I don't know about your interpretations of the study, but another interpretation I found was uh, this is a good hint for anyone who's getting into that Tinder game. Make sure you uptake your vitamin A content before you take your Tinder profiles. Because according to science, you're more attractive if you do that. So that's, that's my pro tip. That's my uh, nutrition tip of the day, is when you take your Tinder profile, eat carrots before that, eat papaya before that, because apparently the opposite sex will be all over you, or the same sex, whatever, you, whatever you're into. Okay, Aaron. <laughs> now that is, that is a real trip. my nutrition in the news. Going along with our main topic of the show, my nutrition in the news article is about factors affecting obesity and waist circumference among U.S. adults. So as we all know, physical activity, sedentary activity, and food intake affect waist circumference and obesity. 
Um, this study used cross-sectional data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey in 2013 and 2014 on over 4,000 adults, men and women, aged 20 to 64. And they found a relationship between adults who watched television more than two hours every day had higher odds of abdominal obesity and engaging in moderate recreational physical activity for more than 150 minutes every week versus less than 150 minutes were associated with reduced chances of abdominal obesity. And the abdominal fat, that's the one specifically giving people the apple pear, or not the apple pear, the apple-shaped appearance, the apple-shaped uh, body, which is that's that's the one actually inter- associated the most with um, like diabetes and other chronic health um, health measures. Well, I believe that any excess weight will increase your chances of getting chronic diseases. Yeah, any excess weight, right? But uh, specifically, the weight distributed towards the abdominal region that's actually been. Um, found to be more associated compared to like the pear shape um, distribution of body fat. I did not know that. Yeah, well you learn something new every single day. Yeah, so overall this study found that increasing recreational physical activity and decreasing television-based sedentary activity is most important in the prevention of obesity. So basically replace screen time with exercise that you enjoy. Spend more time exercising than watching TV. So that's it for Nutrition in the News for today. We're going to go right into our main topic of the day, which is nutrition's role in weight management. Yeah, so for anyone listening, uh, it is important to know the context of the entire episode. So in here in the United States, most people in the population are getting increasingly overweight. So the episode has mostly the context of people helping making changes or having healthy habits and losing weight. But please do keep in mind when it comes to in weight management, it also obviously includes um, losing weight to get to a healthier weight where your body wants to be, but also includes those who are um, excessively underweight as well. So people who have actually need to gain weight Uh, to get back to uh, a healthy body weight as well. Well, whatever your weight, whether you're overweight or underweight, it's important to find your own healthy set point, whichever weight you're most healthy at. You know you're at your healthiest weight when you're eating healthy and exercising regularly, and you tend to fall back to a certain set point. Yeah, like when we mean by whatever the person's healthiest weight is, is us meaning that in that whatever the weight a person naturally lies at, so whatever their set point is with them eating predominantly um, healthy foods, so plenty of, plenty of um, healthy sources of protein, also a lot of fruits and vegetables, but also having um, the most beneficial like mindset, like the most positive mindset for a person to be at. Like they don't feel deprived, they don't feel excessively bloated because they just eat, they just continuously overeat, and they don't feel deprived as well from just having them never eat whatever they, well, typically when you're deprived, you, them 
typically never eating what they consider to be like quote unquote bad foods. That's why they probably never eat it. So whatever like proportion of quote unquote like healthy foods, not quote unquote like, like healthy foods and unhealthy foods, whatever proportion of that that brings you the most beneficial um, mental health but also without hindering uh, biomarkers of longevity. So you don't have high cholesterol levels, you don't have tri- high triglyceride levels, and you don't also have like high blood pressure, right? Yeah, exactly. We don't like to use good or bad foods and nutrition, but yeah. Yeah, we don't like assigning... Um, moral values when it comes to food except predominant or when it comes in regard to uh like thinking of a food as bad just because of the just because of the point of it being like an un- unhealthy food right so like you look at a a cookie and you think it's or what it is high very high in sugar right and, uh, and typically very high in saturated fat but you then uh, label that as having like a, a moral value to it so you feel guilty when eating that sort of food yeah, we don't like to attach guilt to food at all. So that's why that's what we mean by having a healthy set point. And the formal definition of set point for anybody who doesn't know is the weight range in which your body is programmed to function optimally. So we already kind of defined it saying like it's the your body is functioning most optimally when you're eating intuitively and exercising regularly. So what actually influences body weight? There's actually two categories of things that influence body weight, calorie intake and a low level of activity. Yeah, so net calories in, so the amount of calories you get from your food, and of course net calories out, which really kind of summarizes this entire section, but obviously we're going to get into a little bit more detail. So overall, the main influence when it comes to Americans getting increasingly overweight to excessive high, excessively high levels is um, just a change in American diets. So the change in American diets predominantly revolving around increasing proportions of the diet being from unhealthy um, highly processed convenience foods, so like your local McDonald's or your local In-N-Out or like your local chip bag, and this could in easily, easily in- increase your caloric intake to excessively high levels where your body does not need that many calories. You do not need, you do not have enough activity to offset the amount of uh, calories you're intaking. So your body will then allocate those excessive calories to adipose tissue in your body and this could this will result in uh, excessive weight gain over the long term and of course um, besides the high intake of processed foods uh, very calorically rich calorically rich foods uh, another another aspect could be the um, decreasing proportion of American diets coming from uh, whole plant foods uh, plant foods being um, a very good source of dietary fiber and with of course as we'll talk in a future episode to give a summary of uh, dietary fiber does actually help with satiety. So if if you're eating a very fiber-rich meal compared to a very fiber-depleted meal, you'll tend to feel more satisfied for a longer duration of time if you ate the fiber-rich meal compared to the fiber-depleted meal. 
And obviously, of course, with the fiber-rich foods, you also tend to have foods that are richer in water content, which obviously have no calories. So a larger proportion of your, of your food actually is coming just from water. And of course, with that, you also get other beneficial effects. So foods higher in micronutrients like vitamins and minerals and a healthier, a healthier intake of saturated fat and cholesterol as well, typically. You have lower intakes of those two nutrients. Yeah, so we're all familiar with calories in, calories out. Of course, you're going to lose weight when you're in a calorie deficit, but not to say that the calories don't matter themselves. So like Aaron said, the high intake of processed foods is going to increase your weight because those calories are called like, quote unquote, empty calories. You want to consume foods with more like nutrients that'll keep you full. So that will prevent you from consuming excess calories. Yeah, yeah. So, but besides the caloric factor when it comes to this, which of course a caloric factor and the issue with calories mostly coming from too many processed foods and having too many calories from those processed foods. But besides that, the uh, calories are calories out part of the equation being from activity. So physical exercise. So Americans obviously have been having uh, lower levels of physical activity since now we're becoming more modernized, so to say. Not everyone's working the farms anymore. We don't have to all lift heavy weights to get by in life and have enough money to sustain ourselves. We all have, or some of us can now have office jobs where we just sit down all day. And many of us don't accommodate the lacking physical activity with going to regular gym sessions or having uh, daily runs or weekly runs or regular uh, uh, running exercises. Or many of us also don't bike as well to to work, which could be an easy way of increasing your physical activity. But as Michelle previously stated with her nutrition and use section, um, we all also have also seen increasing levels of people just watching television with a lot of their spare time or just Netflix, which typically involves sitting down in bed, sitting down on your couch. And obviously that's not a good source of physical activity if you're just sitting down in bed all day, just doing nothing. So you're not burning that many calories to help um, in your weight management. So if you're in combination of these two things, uh, excessively high levels of processed food intake, which typically has a person going over their calorie limit for the day or their, the amount of calories that their body actually needs, combined with the low levels of calories being used up by, by the body, we it's, not, it's no surprise that we see a trend uh, in the United States of people having gradual increases in weight getting into BMI levels and body fat levels that are getting to an unhealthy, highly uh, unhealthy levels. So those were the factors that influence body weight. And we're going to go right into our break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how to sustain a healthy body weight. Welcome back to Foodology Radio. Before break, we were talking about what influences body weight. And now we're going to talk about how to sustain a healthy body weight. So one of the most unsustainable ways to lose weight is through crash dieting. Yeah, so crash dieting typically being meant as a diet that has a person going on a severely restricted caloric um, intake. So, for example, you may only eat as low as 500 or like 1,000 calories, which is like, which will put you at a, like around at least 1,000 or plus calorie deficit for your day. And chronically eating like this for a 
prolonged period of time is very unsustainable for majority of for the majority of people, and often leads to a regain of the weight as people's biology and psychology eventually takes the better of them, and they make up with this unsustainable manners or unsustainable behavior with future behaviors of overeating and binge eating, which will often cause them to regain the weight and. More often than not, actually, gain more weight than they have before the diet, and this is often seen as people losing the same 50 pounds over and over again. We all know the same. Per- we all know one person who seems to have lost the same 50 pounds like 10 times already, and this is just because more often than not, these people go on very, very low caloric diets. They go on the diet really, really hard for a short period of time, and eventually they have to make up with make up. The behavior and they overeat, they binge eat, and they regain the weight. Yeah, so restricting a bunch of calories and losing weight really quickly is not going to be um, good for your long term health. Yeah, it's not. It will give you short term results for sure, but those short term results are not representative of what will you will eventually gain from it in the long run. And this is what really matters, really, the long term it's not what you can do nutritionally in the short term it's what you can do 10 years from now 15 years from now and what behaviors you can keep up for that long yeah because if you restrict a bunch of calories and you eventually you're going to go back to eating the same amount of calories you were eating before you're going to gain all the weight back so you just need to eat the amount of calories that your body needs yeah, so which is just um, being at maintenance, or if you're gonna, if you're severely overweight, or you're in the obese category, um, doing a diet that's in a more sustainable way, where it's not so hard on restricting so many calories at the same time. And beyond this, is also finding a body weight that idealizes your own personal health. So. Um, I have a general equation that's for the general population. Of course, it's an equation, and you may be an outlier from it. But um, I think this equation is pretty nice. It's the Hamwe equation to get an ideal range for your body weight. I've never heard of that equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I haven't either until I was listening to some lectures. And I went on the equation. It actually is, like, pretty dead accurate for me. It gets... um, I'm on the higher range of it, but it's, like, literally... Plus or minus two pounds for me, at least when it comes to accuracy. So you you'll probably be in the range that has a low like a um, like a light body weight frame and a heavy body weight frame, so to say. And being in that range is where, um, according to this equation, you'll likely have the best beneficial health results from your body weight. So. Beyond this is also within this range or your own personal ideal um, weight. This will be a weight that will optimize your own metabolic fitness. So by metabolic fitness, we mean having a healthy uh, fasting blood glucose. So you go into the doctors, you always have to typically be fasting if you're getting blood glucose results. Because if you eat, your blood glucose will typically spike and give a false a result for diabetes you want to go in a fasting and you also a body weight that will have you at ideally um, low cholesterol levels as well to put you at the lowest risk of cardiovascular disease possible and also a body weight that um, optimizes uh, your triglyceride level so have a low triglyceride level and as well having low visceral fat deposits so the 
the adipose tissue that surrounds um, your organs, so the fat around your organs, in other words, you don't want to have too much of that since visceral fat specifically has been associated the most strongly with uh, chronic health diseases as, as well. And on top of your own physiological metabolic fitness, um, another important factor is also looking at your own psychological well-being. So beyond just the physical effects of food, also the mental effects of your own body weight as well. So having a body weight that provides you with adequate energy levels, you, so you feel energized uh, the majority of the day. So if you're too low in weight, you will typically find that you may not have the energy and that's also associated with just not eating enough, uh, just calories in the first place. So having a, a body weight that can provide you with good energy levels. And um, also with happier moods, so this mostly corresponds with being very, very low body weight for what you're supposed to be at. So if you're lower in body weight than you're supposed to be, you may f experience increased irritability. So just anything makes you more frustrated um, in general. And also providing a unre unhealthy relationship with food um, is also associated with very, very low body weight since typically at that range you have um, obsessions with what you're eating and how much you're eating. And this will also just claw like cause you to have more mental capacity towards focusing on food and also thinking as food as um, a burden as well, which also uh, leads us to having satisfaction from food. So you don't feel that food is being a huge burden in your life. And so you're properly satisfied for whenever you eat. And also don't be afraid or don't be ashamed if you're diet deviates as well. Um, this sort of behavior may also induce eating disorders later on in life. So if you feel like you failed, so to say, it again brings a terrible relationship with food because we here do not believe that food should be such a huge burden where you may feel feelings of guilt or failure for doing so and more that food should just be a tool that you can use to better your own quality of life as, as much as possible. So, of course, as we talked before, better yourself physiologically, so um, optimize metabolic fitness, but also optimize your own like friendships as well and um, your own relationship with yourself, really. Yeah, the satisfaction factor is actually um, one of the principles that are really like important in intuitive eating. Like eating should be filled with joy. Like you should be satisfied when you eat food. So like when you start to feel guilty when you're eating food, like really think about why you feel that way and finding that like satisfaction eating food will really be like sustainable in the long run. Yeah, yeah. So just finding a good um, blend of food where you optimize your nutrition part so you're making sure you're eating plenty of healthy food but also not being so obsessive with food where you're unsatisfied with it all the time and you don't feel that it brings you any joy in life anymore because food is not supposed to be bland food is supposed to be tasteful and it's supposed to join us all together we often go out with our peers and have dinner with them and that's a that's a social situation where you may not be able to do that if you're such 
if you're worrying about it, all the different foods that you could be eating and how you may quote unquote mess up in your diet. So it's just find find a good middle ground where you're making sure you're eating um, a good amount of healthy foods to help you with your weight management goals and of course your metabolic fitness goals, but also having a good blend where you're satisfied with your food and you don't hinder your other aspects of your own life. So keeping this in mind, we could also go on to having like lifestyle factors that can help us uh, sustain um, or bring us down to healthy body weight if we're overweight. So one way of helping this is loading up on primarily um, whole plant foods because whole plant foods, they have the benefit of having fiber. So they're usually very high in fiber and particularly um, legumes. They're also a very good source of protein as well, which aids in the, the satiation factor and also some healthy fats. So like nuts and seeds and avocados and whole plant foods just as a group in general. Um, they also tend to be less calorically dense since their composition makes a higher, or their composition is typically a higher percentage of water compared to other foods like eggs or meat or um, other processed foods as well. So loading up on the whole plant foods, you get the benefits of fiber, protein, healthy fats, and the satiation factors that they provide. So yeah, what that means is basically you can eat more, you can eat a larger volume of plant foods than you can with like animal foods. Yeah, and especially um, ultra-processed, refined foods. If you find if you make your diet primarily sur- surrounding whole plant foods like such as whole grains, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables and legumes, you'll typically find yourself having the opportunity of eating a higher volume of food, which will um, help with the satiation factor as well just by filling up your stomach more. And even when you're eating this way, you may actually find yourself eating fewer calories, even with the higher volume of food, just because whole plant foods are tend to be less calorically dense, as I previously said before. So even if you get the, in this case, you get the opportunity of eating more, but you also get the case of, besides that, still being in the opportunity of having fewer calories in your day compared to your diet beforehand. So this doesn't means that you could be under eating, but it's important to keep this in mind though that given the such large volume of food and the fewer calories you have, you have to make sure you're make sure you're having some higher calorie foods compared to others so obviously you don't want to be making like just vegetables and just fruit you may be under eating that day but you make sure to have the nuts and seeds in and also the the beans as well since they have more much more calories in them and these foods will help will be making the majority of your calories in this diet and you'll be again getting the benefits of the fiber protein the healthy fats and the lower caloric density and helping you manage your weight as well and outside of your own diet there's obviously the physical activity aspect of it so the like calories in and this is the calories out portion so small changes in your daily life such as taking the stairs over taking the elevator can help increase your caloric expenditure in the day but also some more major differences but still um, sustainable differences is biking to work so if you have the opportunity you can bike to your local school or to your local job this will aid in you burning more calories and thus helping you manage your weight but also 
obviously the environmental aspects as well. You don't emit as much carbon dioxide into the air from driving your car around. So it's a win-win situation in that case. And outside of your own daily life, you could also make an effort to go to the gym uh, like twice a week and primarily focusing on strength training. So strength training uh, could help with you losing weight as it can retain the lean muscle mass in your frame. And since muscle burns more calories than fat, you could use this to your own benefit and helping you manage your own weight as well. Yeah, any form of physical activity is going to be beneficial to your weight loss journey. Like from the nutrition in the news, um, I said earlier, like replacing television time with any like recreational, like intentional physical activity is going to be really beneficial to your weight loss. And strength training is also great. Like there's a myth that like strength training like only helps build muscle, doesn't help you lose weight, but um, that's not true. You're still going to burn calories either any with any form of exercise. So yeah, I think that's super important. Yeah, just, just keep in mind when doing strength training is that the primary mode of burning calories through it is just by retaining your own lean muscle mass. Um, just because just because that strength training in of itself is actually doesn't burn that many calories so maybe like in an hour you may burn like 100 or maybe 150 calories in an hour of strength training workout but compared to cardio or like running and biking you may burn up to 400 or 500 calories in it so it definitely is something to be considerate of um, the calories burned directly from strength training but if you're going to be exercising purely for weight loss and like calorie like deficiency uh, cardio is the most efficient way of going but if you were to ask me personally and you should be doing both regardless right so cardio if anything just for cardiovascular health as well and strength training just to retain um, the lean muscle mass that you can have in your frame well, aside from exercising, the most important thing to keep in mind when you're trying to lose weight sustainably is to make small permanent changes in the way you eat and in your lifestyle. So mindful eating is really important. Stay away from crazy fad diets out there and just merely make peace with food. Yeah, and this also involves like savoring and taking the time for you to eat whatever you, whatever food you actually are eating and having your eyes as part of the equation so not being distracted by your phone and having your eyes not on your phone but actually on your food and your so you can pay you can pay better attention to whatever you're eating and this also gives you a better opportunity to listen to your body when it comes to your fullness sensations because doing the mindful eating well or doing this mindful eating may prevent you just from mindlessly eating rather than just scrolling through instagram and eating and forgetting that you may be getting close to being really really full but rather that rather just eat and pay attention to what you're eating and you may actually be facing uh, fullness sensations before the point you even thought that you would get full in the first place. Another permanent change you could also make is switching towards smaller plates. So it's not using such wide plates and more using smaller plates as well, just so you have uh, less food in your plate. Or even if you have the same amount of food, it looks like it's a lot more food than it actually is. And this is sort of like a using your psychology to your advantage, so to say, 
and where having it on a smaller plate can make you feel like you're eating a lot more than you actually are. And besides the plate itself, uh, for your choice of beverage as well, um, of course, going with water uh, is obviously the most, I guess, most advantage towards weight management. But as well, if you're gonna be drinking milk, um, Try to, try to switch towards skim milk or reduced fat milk or also unsweetened soy milk. Uh, just gives you the advantage of uh, fewer saturated fats but also uh, less, less calories uh, that you're intaking. And if you're like me, uh, don't order with your eyes but more with your stomach because if, well, I tend to always order a little bit more in restaurants than I usually am, like, actually I'm hungry for. So order smaller sizes in restaurant foods. Don't maybe try to just get one plate um, rather than two or three and see how you feel after one plate. And then if you're still hungry after one plate, then you can order the second or third plate, not just ordering the second or even three plates at the beginning and fooling full after one plate and still having two plates to go, even though you're already full from the first plate. Yeah, so the key to keeping all this weight off is to make small, permanent, um, keyword permanent changes. So yeah, just slowly transitioning to a healthier lifestyle. So we're going to go into break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what do you do when you fall off the wagon. And we're back here at Foodology Radio. And to hopefully you guys enjoyed the commercial break, but now we're going to continue the topic of today's episode, which is when you fall off the wagon. So if you ever do fall off the wagon, you should really ask yourself, like, did you really? Did you really fall off the wagon? And what we mean by this is just by saying that when you do create such a thought in your head, just try to avoid doing so because this creates an ideal self that is absolutely perfect and having such a perfect goal and such a hard goal to achieve in the first place is destined for the majority of people to result in failure and this failure or this perceived failure can cause dissatisfaction with yourself so you don't feel satisfied with yourself you feel like you let yourself down and this could also lead to low self-esteem so you don't have any confidence in yourself you feel that you can't do anything right and really this is starting to get this is getting to the point of nutrition where you start to maybe become too idealistic with it and that you are too firm with whatever you're trying to complete as well yeah you're never gonna be perfect with your diet or your lifestyle like you're gonna like not make mistakes because like there's no mistakes in like what you eat but like you're gonna eat something like that you don't think is healthy one day but like you have to just pick yourself back up don't beat yourself up and just continue eating healthy because what happens is if you freak out over eating something like unhealthy and then you're just thinking like oh well I give up now you're never gonna lose that weight so just simply acknowledge the fact that you slipped up maybe and forgive yourself and move on yeah, and also another thing to keep in mind is if you do slip up, just think of it as just one day of the week and don't focus so much on that one day, but look at the other five to six days of the week where you kept it up or where you were following whatever lifestyle you were trying to do and you would be proud of yourself that you were able to keep up with whatever your whatever your goal was at the time. 
Just look at the bright side. Yeah, but with this in mind, of course, you can't or you shouldn't be taking it to the extreme. AKA, like, if you do slip up, you shouldn't make that slip up into a binge eat, like binge, or you shouldn't make it to the point where doing this on a weekly basis could potentially lead you to be on a, to have a binge eating disorder or also bulimia as well. So don't take this to the extreme. And if you ever do get to that point where you keep it up for five to six days, but on the last day, you slip on one day but if you slip on that one day it includes you just binging all the time or you uh, binging and then having throwing up and that's what's known as bulimia if you do get to that point we do recommend you of course getting to your own personal registered dietitian or your own personal doctor and getting your own personalized uh, professional help to continue from this, we could also talk about weight loss plateaus as well. So typically, weight loss plateaus, uh, it's, just, it's in the name of what they are. So you're losing the weight, and eventually after a certain amount of time, you tend to plateau, and the weight loss you may have experienced initially will be much, much slower compared to two months down the line, where it's starting to go down a lot slower than when you initially started, or it may even fully taper off as well. So... If you're um, trying to lose the weight right now and you had the previous experience of losing the weight initially, uh, you may recall that the first initial signs of weight loss were very, very fast. You may have lost 5 to 10 pounds in a given day, but you got to keep in mind that when losing weight, the initial weight loss you always lose is mostly glycogen storage from your muscles and liver, and it's also water storage as well, and a little of it is actually fat. So when you lose the weight at first, uh, don't try to use that as a standard for your the weight loss, the weight loss of the rest of the time, because this is largely glycogen and water, which is much easier to lose than actual adipose tissue or fat. And if you are later in this stage, uh, you don't want to cut calories again when you do start to taper off, because this could lead to either too fast of weight loss, and that could result in muscle atrophy or like losing of the actual muscle. And of course, since you're cutting calories so much, you could also experience low energy levels as well, and just not have be in a bad mood as well, and just not have the energy to do basic daily functions of just living here in society. And one reason of your weight slowing down is also just due to your metabolic rate. So the metabolic rate being just the amount of calories you burn at a daily, like given certain amount of time, uh, typically within a certain day. So if you were at the beginning, before your weight loss, you were maybe 200 pounds and you perhaps burned 2,500 calories in a day. And then a given amount of time later, you're down to 220. Um, you're going to burn a lot less calories when you're at 220 compared to when you were at 250. And if you're keeping this, the calorie level intake the same, eventually your body may go at a maintenance level where the whatever calories you're intaking may have been enough to make you lose weight initially. But now with your new body weight, you may have, you may be at a new homeostasis, so to say, and when you may actually have be in maintenance level, and you won't begin to lose the weight again. And typically, this is also shown with the equation just by having a smaller energy expenditure. You have the same calorie intake, but your energy expenditure decreased, so you may actually be in maintenance again. So going back to the statement I made before with glycogen and water being in, being faster to be used up in your body when you're losing weight, it's because 
first of all, your body first burns the carbohydrate storages in your body to provide yourself with energy before it gets to the, the fat tissue. But there's also the rapid weight loss being also from the glycogen providing only four calories per gram, while fat, as some of us know, actually provides nine calories per gram. So it actually takes longer to deplete the same amount of weight of fat compared to glycogen or protein even due to providing more energy per unit of weight. So fat being more efficient when it comes to storing energy and it's more calorically dense per unit of, of weight, um, it actually takes longer for us to use a same amount of weight of fat compared to the same amount of weight of glycogen just because we get more energy from the fat compared to the, the glycogen. And this is important to keep in mind because weight loss plateaus or whenever you start losing the weight starts to tamper off and slow down, it may actually be indicative of you using more fat compared to carbohydrates. Just as I said before, it takes longer for fat to be used up because it provides more energy per gram of per gram. And really, this is pretty interesting because usually we don't celebrate this, like us or our weight loss slowing down. People usually get pretty like um, sad about it. But this may actually be, in, in their eyes at least, they, this may actually be a call for celebration because this could be indi indicative that your body is using more fat than glycogen or protein as well for fueling yourself. So when you do start to lose the weight, and be, start, to know, start, start to know yourself that you actually are starting to use, um, you're actually starting to fuel yourself with what you want to fuel yourself with rather than just going off glycogen and protein, which you don't want to go off protein because that usually lead to um, less muscle mass, but glycogen is sort of like, it's very, very malleable. It can, it can go up and it can it can be filled and it can be emptied out really, really fast. And that really shouldn't be part of the equation when it comes to your own body fat, um, losing goals. So weight loss plateaus or the slowing down of weight loss should be seen as a positive thing as it could be indicative that you're actually losing more adipose tissue compared to glycogen. Yeah, it's important that you celebrate your victories. Even if your weight loss does slow down, it doesn't mean you're a failure or your diet's not working. You're actually making progress. And no matter where you are in your weight journey, whatever weight you are, it's important to love your body at every weight. Even if you are trying to get healthier, it's important to accept your body at whatever stage you're at because you could lose all this weight but still be unhappy with yourself if it's coming from a place of shame and wanting to change your body rather than self-love and making a change for yourself and wanting to better your health. Yeah, and falling from that, it's it's helpful to keep in mind with your weight management as well is that to keep good conscience of your the progress that you made. So in other words, just trying to avoid getting to the point where you may have uh, biodysmorphia because eventually for, for some people they may have the weight loss down and they may have lost 50 pounds or like 20 pounds or whatever whatever weight they've lost and they may feel that they may have gone fatter or like even if they're really really underweight um, they may still they may still feel really really fat as well and it's, keep, it's important to keep in mind the progress that you made and where you actually do stand and not to get to the point where it's um, getting to the 
getting really obsessive with your own weight as well. And no matter what progress you do make, you're never to the point of self-satisfaction as well. You're never happy with where you are and you're always, you're always complaining about your own body and you're always never truly happy with where you stand right now. You're always, you only want to be happy when you reach the place in the future, but you're never happy when um, you look at yourself in the mirror as well. It's sort of like the saying I like to 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 think to myself is that it's like the um, a tip for happiness really, but in the context here in your own body. So it's sort of instead of the the goal or like the the way of being happy in the future um, is the key to that is being happy right now, so to say. Because if you're always going to think of happiness as in the future and like, oh, like 10 years from now when I have my own place, and rather than rather than just thinking of happiness of what you have right now, um, even if you do get those things, more often than not, you may actually find that you will still want more. So the key with all, your own body satisfaction is being satisfied with where you stand as of right now and not thinking so much far in the future. Yeah, wise words from Aaron. So yeah, this podcast is all about physical health, but it's important to keep your mental health in check as well. With that being said, we're going to move on to the last part of our podcast, which is our recipe of the week. What do we have for this week? Yeah, so before I go on to the recipe, I just want to say that we're going to get this bread because we have lentil bread today. And one of my, oh Lord. F- I know, one of my f- new favorite recipes that I've discovered online. So we all know bread, right? Like nothing Do wrong with... Do you know bread? <laughs> I know bread, but, but like, not saying nothing's wrong with like whole wheat bread or anything, but it's just a different alternative if you want a bread made with um, a little bit more higher protein content because it is it is. Based based off lentils, this recipe. So, and it's a super easy recipe too. It's literally just one ingredient. And the recipe calls for just red lentils dried. So you can buy them in bulk. Dried is like, I think at Ralph's I see them for like 150 a pound. So it's really, really cheap. And the recipe just calls for blending the red lentils in a coffee grinder or in a blender. Both work perfectly fine. And just getting it to a really smooth uh, powder or really, really fine powder or as close as fine as you can. And with that dried powder, you just add some water to it to get into a pancake consistency. So it's like you're about to like bake some pancakes and with that batter you just add it to a pan and you flip it when it's ready so it's kind of like making pancakes but instead of pancakes you're just making lentil breads really like like flatbread lentil flatbread i would have never thought to put dry lentils into a coffee grinder yeah well i mean you when you when you do such things you kind of find really hidden gem uh, recipes as well like i made this recipe and I, i really like it it's a good bread alternative for those people for anyone who was looking for some variety you gotta have a good blender too right uh, well you can have i don't think you need like an outstanding blender you can have like a pretty moderate blender i mean i use this off my coffee grinder right i make this off with my coffee grinder i don't have a special coffee grinder or anything so you don't need like a vitamix to make this at all like most likely you're like state-of-the-art kitchen like just standard like modern blender will be good enough of a job if, if i think well it sounds interesting i'd love to try it someday yeah so for anyone listening out there make sure uh, you get the bread uh, specifically at least this recipe because we're sharing it with you right now so yeah that calls for the end of this episode with weight management 
hopefully you guys had a good time listening to us and until then see you next time thanks for listening check out our website at foodologyradio.weebly.com send us your questions by email at foodologyradio at gmail.com or on instagram at c-s-u-l-b foodology radio catch us next week on tuesday at noon Ooh, pretty baby this world might have gone crazy the way you save me who could blame me when i just want to make you smile